It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. I know exactly how Nick Senzel can bounce back this season as there is one thing that he tried really hard for last year, and he just needs to forget about it this season. That's coming up on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked on Reds. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and we are free and available on all podcasting platforms. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside Jeff Carr, and we both are diehard baseball fans. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds, and we have taken our love of the game, our passion for baseball, and we have turned that passion into information for you. On today's podcast, we are going to be talking about Nick Senzel and what he needs to do to remain part of the Reds lineup, not only in 2023, but possibly beyond. Uh, We're also going to start a segment where we will be going through uh, some different statistical categories and what they mean in player evaluation. Uh, We're going to be doing that segment off and on all throughout spring trading to get you set for opening day and then guess what phil castellini is in the news again we're gonna break down what happened this time involving the reds chief operating officer uh but before we talk about phil uh let's talk about somebody else that's been a little disappointing for the reds over the years and that is nick senzel uh not quite the same kind of disappointment jeff but disappointing nonetheless. Listen, uh, there was no bigger Nick Senzel uh, rah-rah guy than me when Nick Senzel came to the major leagues. And even before that and how the Reds treated him, you know, I, I called that out on a pretty much continual basis. Uh, but since his arrival, since he finally got here, things have just really not panned out the way that any of us hoped, the way that the Reds hoped, the way that the fans hoped, or the way that Nick Senzel hoped. And he has really struggled. And every year we say, this is going to be his year. And every year we say, he's finally going to turn it around. And then every year there's some kind of setback, some kind of disappointment. But the problem now, Jeff, is he's really running out of time. He is. And and time, I think, is of the essence here for him. Not necessarily that he's being pushed by anybody. We talked yesterday about Jose Barrero and how there's just a slew of other options. There's not necessarily that when it comes to Nick Senzel. It's literally just, it seems like he's been given so much time and he still hasn't taken advantage of it. So when I'm looking at 2023 and we've kind of pegged this as a make or break season for Nick Senzel, if he's going to create a role for himself on the future Reds playoff team that's forming this year, he must abandon the idea of hitting for power. 
And I'm going to explain why, because in the year of our Lord, 2021, he didn't get a ton of playing time, but in the playing time that he had, he showed the best expected weighted on base average of his career. He actually kind of got unlucky throughout the entire season. If you look at the expected numbers, as opposed to what he actually put up and he was hitting a lot of line drives. One of the big reasons why he was supposed to have a much better season. Now he had an expected weighted on base average and ex Woba of 357, which as we'll explain here in a little bit, that is above average kind of edging toward great when it comes to that number. And when it comes to, you know, Woba, quick explanation is this statistic does a better job of explaining run production for a specific batter than batting average on base percentage and slugging percentage can as a whole. So looking at this, the year that he put together in 2021 with, which was about 111 plate appearances. So bear with me on the sample size, but what he showed and combined with some other things that we'll take a look at here in a minute tells me that he has great value. If he stops focusing on trying to hit the ball out of the park every time, you know, I, I agree. And, and here's the funny part, Jeff, that, you know, you've got a lot of data that's going to back this up and we're going to, as you say uh, here coming up in a bit, we're going to explain what some of this means uh, to really bring the point home. But even just using the eye test, when you look at Nick Senzel's at bats over the last couple of years, they've just been off. Uh, things yeah. have not been quite right. And if you want to go back to 2021 and, and talk about uh, when he's really line driving the ball and, and putting the ball in play and, and getting the extra base hits, you know, he looked more comfortable. And I think, I, I think you're right. I think that Somewhere along the way, he decided he was supposed to be a power hitter. And I don't know if that's a result of, you know, all of this constant uh, position change that was going on with him. I don't know if that's, you know, that he's never really settled in and found a place in the lineup. Uh, is he a leadoff hitter? Is he a middle of the down order kind of guy? Where does he belong? Uh, I don't think he ever figured out any of those things. But uh, Nick Senzo at his best, you know, we talked about at times him being a leadoff hitter and during those times where he showed flashes being a leadoff hitter he got in the box he looked a little bit comfortable he he dealt with whatever the pitchers gave him he was slapping the ball around a little bit there was some occasional pop but he didn't have that long looping swing where he was right. trying to drive the ball out of the park and that is a huge difference i think i think you've hit this spot on yeah and i think that you know it, it's hard to say what's going through a player's mind obviously but when it comes to Nick Senzel, all he heard as he was coming up through the minors, as he got called up his first couple of years with the team is you're the guy that's supposed to change the course of this franchise. And probably what he thought was, okay, that means I have to be good at everything. And he wasn't hitting for power in his first couple of years. So he's like, I'm going to stretch. I'm going to try and hit for power this year. I'm really going to add that to my game. And instead it just kind of derailed everything. But there were some interesting numbers on StatCast on Baseball Savant that I saw that I think that he should hone in on. Number one is the fact that he was still very high up on the list when it comes to sprint speed. He's still a fast guy, still a talented, athletic player. Hone in on that a little bit. Plus, he did a very good job of limiting strikeouts and whiffs. He did not get beat with pitches. He wasn't you know, really trying to chase pitches he was good on limiting chasing bad pitches out of the zone so he still had that good plate discipline however 
I think this is where it gets to because he did not draw walks. In fact, in 2021, he had a better walk rate than he's had throughout his career. It, it was better than any other season. Again, small sample size, but I think he should hone back on that and get rid of the idea of trying to stretch for power and become more of an on-base and base-running weapon for this team because I, I, I don't think that it is going to fall to Nick Senzel to fix the power problem that this lineup has. This is exactly uh, what... Tom Nichols was talking about when we talked about Ellie De La Cruz in the strike zone. This is about approach. If you recall, when we talked to Tom, he talked about players not really being willing to uh, change their approach with two strikes, change their approach and defend the zones, be willing to take the ball the other way and get a single. It was all about power. And I think, you know, as much as we talked about that with Ellie De La Cruz and how he could cut down his strikeout rates and increase his walk rates a little bit, that same advice, someone should should cut that out and, and dub Nick Senzel over the words Ellie De La Cruz because the same exact advice could really fix a lot of Senzel's problems. I think that two-strike approach, that protect approach, that that being willing to, you know, take the ball the other way, being willing to, you know, just get on base. I think somewhere along the way in baseball, we we lost the idea that just simply getting on base is okay. Everybody yeah. decided somewhere along the way that the only way they were going to get paid, the only way they were going to be considered successful was to put the ball in the stands. And, you know, yeah, if you're a low power guy, but a high on base guy, someone else is going to drive you in and you're, you're contributing to the team just as much as if you had hit a, a, a one run, a solo home run. So right. I, I just, it strikes me the way you have this bro broken down that, you know, I think this advice could apply to several guys that if they would just implement it, could really be uh, a much better players in 2023. It's the old uh, Little League advice, right? Protect. There's two strikes, protect the plate. That's mm -hmm. what you got to do. And it, yeah, like that's gone away from the sport. It's it's kind of weird that that's the case. But it's it's just very evident to me that he was overreaching really overstretching himself trying to hit for Bauer he's he's got to stop that he's got to abandon that that you know that pursuit and he's got to instead refocus on becoming an on-base machine and a base running weapon because that is his skill set and that is how he's going to carve a role he, th this is a guy that currently does not have a role on a future playoff Reds team this is how he does it and you know what Steve I, I know we talked about, well, but we're going to get into that here in a little bit because I know that weighted on base average isn't necessarily something that we've dove into a lot on this show, but it's a stat that we're going to use a lot more this season. And I'm going to tell you why that's coming up here in a few minutes. But before we get to that, Phil Castellini said some things to the Rosie Reds a couple of weeks ago. We covered that. Rob Manfred has a response for him. And for once, I agree with something Rob Manfred said. Or we're going to tell you why coming up next. Before we talk about that, though, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is FanDuel. You know, it's the middle of the NBA season right now, and uh, now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back for your first bet if it does not win. Just download FanDuel today on your mobile device. Uh, it's safe, secure, and super easy to use. 
Plus, uh, you know, we talk about NBA bets and things like that. They've also got MLB futures and FanDuel puts the Reds at 60 to one odds to win the NL Central. Yeah, that's going to follow along with something we're about to talk about here in a second. But uh, if you put $10 on that and the Reds shock the world and win the NL Central, then you get $600. However, those odds are probably telling you don't don't think about that. So I, I may actually hold off on this one. Yeah, I know. Shocker. But if you want to check out all of the great stuff that FanDuel has to offer, whether you're talking about Major League Baseball or any sport out there, don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. You can make every moment more with FanDuel. They're an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And now that sports betting is legal here in the state of Ohio, Locked On has the perfect show to help new and seasoned gamblers put a couple of dollars in their pocket. That's uh, Locked On Bets. You can download Locked On Bets today for daily picks and analysis, and that's wherever you get your podcasts. As for Locked On Reds, though, coming up tomorrow, it's another Aloha Friday. We will continue to do our live Aloha Fridays throughout spring training, answering your questions and responding to your comments about your favorite team, the Cincinnati Reds. Make sure you join us. That's at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow and 1.30 p.m. Eastern time every Friday throughout spring training. All right, Steve, uh, kudos to see Trent Rosecrans because he asked Rob Manfred what every Reds fan would want to ask the commissioner of the sport with which the owner of the Cincinnati Reds resides in. Because, well, we all know what Phil Castellini said. He said that the Reds are basically out of it before anybody reports the good year this season. I think it was really more of an excuse as to why the Reds aren't trying, but that's a whole nother conversation. What Rob Manfred had to say is he doesn't think too highly of, um, as you like to call SOB son of Bob, uh, of the SOB's comments and the reds aren't out of it by the way, but we'll, we'll get into that in here in just a second. This is what Rob Manfred had to say to see Trent Rosecrans asking him how he would respond to Phil Castellini. I think that most people who pay attention to our game, uh, realize that um, we do have a disparity issue in the game, both on the revenue side and consequently on the ability to spend on players. Um, I, I think sometimes in markets that produces frustration that leads to what I regard to be unfortunate comments, um, not helpful. So unfortunate comments, not helpful. We can not break down the first helpful. part in a minute, but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Rob Rob didn't like what Phil had to say. No, and, and first of all, let's let's be clear. This is this is Rob Manfred's answer to being asked about any of Phil Castellini's comments. This is what Rob would have said if he'd been asked about the where you're gonna go comments. This is what you know Rob Manfred's gonna say if he's asked just specifically about the Reds being out of contention, which is what Trent asked him. Or if even and Trent didn't take it the step farther that I wish he had. I wish there had been a follow up to this that said, well, you know, he also called the Reds a nonprofit. He also said they're operating like a nonprofit in a year where you, sir, are reporting record ten point eight billion dollar revenue. So I would love to. I would love to have seen 
see Trent take it just a little bit farther. But for me, I think this is the answer that Rob Manfred has had loaded for a while yeah. now, knowing that eventually a question about this was going to come. And, you know, the Angelos over in Baltimore uh, didn't help any with their their little side circus show with the media. Uh, you know, I think Rob was prepared to get questions about the owners this year. Yeah, and and I think that Rob also tried to address a little bit the whole disparity and, and stuff like that when it comes to revenue because he did say he's just like, we do have a problem with revenue disparity and and payroll and things like that, which I think more so he was probably looking at Steve Cohen. We, we talked a lot, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago about how Steve Cohen is probably saving baseball as much as the on, the other owners and Rob Manfred probably hate that, but he's showing just how inequitable the entire sport can be and the whole economic structure that they have. So with that, I, I think that Rob addressed Steve Cohen while also addressing Phil Castellini's comments because let, let's be frank about this. The Reds are not out of it. They have a very tiny percentage chance to make the playoffs, but Phil Castellini, what he was trying to say without saying it is we're not trying to be in it. You know, I've thought about this for a while now since the comments actually happened uh, when Phil was talking to the Rosie Reds group. And I feel like, listen, as 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 ignorant as his comments are sometimes, he's not a dumb person. He no, he does know not. a little bit about uh, managing people and PR. Uh, he doesn't always do it well, but he knows what's up. That being said, I feel like what he was trying to do, and, and it fell flat, he just totally botched the execution. But I think what he was trying to do was, was lower expectations in such a way, present that this team is going to be out, we're out of it before the first pitch of spring. We're going to be a 50-win team type of talk. So that when they do come out and do what we think they're going to do, which is possibly maybe stumble their way into contention for that final wild card spot, if a couple things break their way, then he gets to come out and and be the guy, be the like change the narrative, right? You know, I, I really feel like this was about setting that bar so low because, as you say, they were unwilling to really try and do anything else but you know bring in the prospects and see how that develops. I think you're, yeah, and it's it's something, and you and I were joking about this off air before we hit record, is that, you know, athletes and, and players and coaches and, and different professional sports folks love to insert the underdog narrative. And I think this might have been Phil Castellini's attempt at that, maybe an alternate way of saying that. Like, obviously, Travis Kelsey just came out and said, yeah, nobody was picking the Kansas City Chiefs. It's like, yeah, a lot of people were Travis. Nobody's picking the Reds. And it's very obvious that that's the case. It's just well, the Phil, Reds aren't even picking the Reds. Yeah. Phil was like, yeah, we aren't <laughs> even picking ourselves to win. And then I, maybe he is trying to uh, get the team to create a cardboard cutout of him and put him in the locker room and, you know, do the whole major league thing where they strip off a piece of clothing. Probably not going to be something they do with Phil Castellini, but there's it's almost like he's trying to set himself up as the villain here and even rob manfred adjust you know addresses that and says yeah no these are unfortunate and these are not helpful comments when it comes to the game of baseball you know i i think that what i want to do though jeff is i want to i want to circle back around on something you said uh, as you set up this segment 
uh, we've heard what Phil has had to say. We don't agree with him. Uh, we know that, you know, Phil has a PR problem. Phil has a putting his foot in his mouth problem. Phil has a problem. Uh, Rob, I think you're absolutely right. I was talking as much to Steve Cohen as he was talking to Phil Castellini and the members of the media. You know, uh, I think that Cohen has created a real problem in the ownership group. I, I imagine when they talk about him and he's not around, they say his name like Seinfeld says Newman, right? They're like, Cohen. Yeah, like that. So... All of that being said, the one thing you said that I want to like wrap this segment up with just a little bit is the Reds really aren't out of it. Let's let's dial down on that for just a second. You I, I, I can't I can't bring myself to support your 75 win uh, over prediction, but I really think that this team is going to be better than it was last year in win totals. I think they're going to be better than 62 wins. Uh, I think that the 65 and a half. Uh, win projection that Vegas has out there right now that FanDuel has for you uh, is a pretty good marker of, of where the over under should be. And I think they'll be over that. I think they're going to be between 65 and 70 wins with an outside shot of doing even better. I know, like you say, if the fourth and fifth starters end up being decent, uh, if right. a couple of these, these players hit, this team is going to be a whole lot better than, than in 62 wins. And, you know, I, I really, I really think it's unfortunate that Castellini put this narrative out there that, you know, we're still talking about it and, and we have to talk about it because it's still in the news, but we're still talking about it. And all of this stuff does is serve to bring down everybody's good feelings about baseball coming back. All of this serves to do is sour everybody on a team that hasn't thrown a pitch yet. That's going to be stacked with some really exciting young talent to get out there and watch and pay attention to. And, and these comments, this talk from Castellini, uh, as ignorant as they are, are going to drive people away from seeing the debuts of Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McClain and Noel V. Marte and Brandon Williamson and Levi Stout. And the list goes on and on and on. So much to be excited about and watch with this team, even if they're only winning 70 games. There is a lot of excitement in Reds baseball this year. I couldn't agree more. Oh, that's my soapbox. That's my <laughs> rant for this segment. But listen, let's let's move away from Phil Castellini and his crazy talk and 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 Rob Manfred and his mostly crazy talk most of the time. And let's get into uh, another segment here coming up, Jeff. Uh, we're going to transition into something that came out of our Aloha Friday shows. We were asked during one of those shows to start dialing dialing in on some of these statistics that we talk about and really drill down on what they mean and help people understand them. Now, we're not going to do that with every statistical category that's out there, but we're going to do that throughout spring training with a few of the things that we use to evaluate players and kind of help everybody be on the same page so that when the season starts and we're talking to you guys each and every day about the, the Reds games and the Reds players, you'll know exactly what it is that we mean. So we are going to get into the WOBA and you're probably thinking, huh? But we're going to talk about WOBA coming up right after this. You can follow the podcast on all platforms, including right here on YouTube. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you so much. Make sure you have clicked subscribe and the notification bell so that you never miss 
an episode and you never miss when we go live. Uh, in between episodes, you can also follow us on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at S Offenbaker. That's with two Fs. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. Make sure you are subscribed today. All right, Jeff, tell us what the heck is a WOBA? The WOBA. It is a very accurate and it uses maths and all this wonderful stuff a much more accurate way to describe the value of a hitter when it comes to producing runs simply put when you, when you look at ops on base plus slugging and when you look at woba they will lead you to similar conclusions in most situations but if you care about determining how well a player contributes to run scoring woba is the way to go. And it's something that I used when we were talking about Nixon Zell and, and, and things like that. But when it comes to the statistics and, and, and OPS is nice, but it undervalues getting on base relative to hitting for extra bases and does not properly weigh each type of extra base hit. So without getting into like the specific numbers and all this other stuff, here's how it goes. A walk is not as good as a single. There we go. We said it. If, if, if for, Back in the day, whenever people were trying to argue about guys who get on base as opposed to batting average and all this other stuff, congratulations, you were right. A single is better than a walk, but a double isn't necessarily twice as much as a single. A triple is, though, when it comes to all of these numbers. So it's they, they put these weights on each event, and then they you know toil it all in a cauldron and, and do the little formula and put it into a calculator, and then bam. They got the number. And Woba, really, when you break it down, at least according to Fangraphs, this is what it looks like. If you're at 400, you're excellent. You're probably talking about a player who is competing for some kind of an award, should he be a qualifying player, a guy who plays quite a bit. But if you're around 290 or below, then you're awful. So remember that when we look at some numbers coming up. You know, the, the thing with this, and, and, and just to, to boil it down into simple speak, even just a little bit more, basically what this statistic does is it takes each base you get uh, in as a result of your at-bat. You're a single, you're a double, you're a triple, you're a homer. Uh, and each additional base in that hit gets weighted a little bit higher. It gets taken into account versus just simply getting on base. Uh, it takes that into account and really predicts uh, how you're going to perform uh, with the value of those extra bases. I don't know that I necessarily agree with the walk versus single portion of this, Jeff. And there's a lot of guys that probably got worked up when you said that, but for the purposes of this, I do understand what they mean and what they're trying to accomplish out of that. So, you know, I think with any of these stats, and I think you probably agree with this, Jeff, you know, when we, when we get these formulas and, and you look at stats and, there's a tendency, especially if you've been around the game a long, long time, to, to not want to look at these newfangled ideas, right? But, you know, the bottom line is that that chart you put up for the YouTube viewers and, and the numbers you read for the audio feed, uh, when you look at that, that 400 performance and you look at the guys that once you apply the statistic, you look at the guys that are in that category, a simple eye test of looking at that list tells you that the statistic works. Yeah. Uh, even if even if you, you don't quite agree with the methodology that, that was applied, even if you don't agree with some of the nuances of it, when you look at that list, you know that this statistic works. Correct. And, and when we're talking about how 
Woba, you know, relates to the Reds. How do they fare in this statistic? Well, we know that they struggled to score runs last year. So obviously there won't be too many guys that get close to that 400 mark, but who was the best at helping them score runs? And, and this is also regardless of sample size too, because you're going to see a name at the top of this list that, you know, did not play that much. And first is Stuart Fairchild. Stuart Fairchild actually had the best Woba on the team. Now, he only had 99 plate appearances, so he's not a, uh, you know, he's not going to qualify for any sort of award or anything like that. But that puts him up there. That while he was playing, he was the most valuable run producer. Second, won't surprise you. It's Tyler Stevenson. He had a 370 woba, which puts him squarely, when you look at the Fangraphs charts, squarely at the great level. Then you've got Brandon Drury and Jake Fraley right behind him. But the other thing that I know, and, and, and to, go down the, uh, to go down this list, I have the top seven. For those of you on YouTube, you can see it. For those in the audio, I have the top seven guys. And this really gets down to league average because as Fangraphs lists, 320 is league average. And so going down to the number seven guy on the Reds list for Woba is Donovan Solano at 319. Really below that, you've got guys who are below average, and that's to say that only seven players, and remember how many players got into a game for the Reds last season, only seven of them were league average or better when it comes to weighted on base average. And and if you look at that and throw that list back up there for just a second for the YouTube people and uh, for, the, for the audio folks, you know, when you look at a list that's Fairchild, uh, being at the top of it, you want to question it. But remember, there was no exclusion for, for sample size. Right. Let's look at the rest of the list. Let's go two through seven and really hone in on it for a second. I'm going to read the list. Stevenson, Drury, Fraley, Friedel, Naquin, Solano. If you read that list, those are the guys that automatically come to mind as the offensive performers on this team before you ever heard the word Woba in your life. So, you know, uh, this hammers home the point I was making earlier with when you're trying to understand and embrace new statistics. This is the first thing that I look at. Does it make sense? Well, you look at that list and it absolutely makes sense. These are all of the guys that we we talked about all last season that the Reds needed them. They needed them to perform. They needed them to have solid games. And when they did, the Reds would pull out some wins. And right. those are the guys that say this statistic works. So I'll be monitoring this statistic as we roll along this season because it'll be interesting to see, especially with Stevenson healthy. Jonathan India and Joey Votto were actually just below where Donovan Solano was on that list. However, their numbers were pretty close to 290. And as we said on that Fangraphs chart, if you're close to 290, you're not doing very well. And there were so many other guys that were below 290. It just spoke. And, and kind of like you said, this is a great stat to marry with the eye test and say the statistic works when you're evaluating a hitter. So when we reference weighted on base average this season, you will know we're not trying to talk over your head with this. This is a good measure, and the reason that it's you know, 300, 400, something like that, they wanted to make it more palatable than slugging percentage that can go all the way up to 4,000, and sometimes that can get you know, a, little, a little confusing. Like you know, whenever your first guy comes up to the plate at the beginning of the year and he hits a home run, he's going to have a batting average of 1,000, on-base percentage of 1,000, and a slugging percentage of 4,000. You're going to be like, oh, that's a lot of zeros. So this tries to at least make it a little bit easier to understand for those of us whose brains are, you know, the size of a baseball inning. And 
and, and just to reiterate, we're going to do this all throughout spring, folks. Uh, if you've got a statistic you've been wanting to learn about that, that you think is a good measure, hit us in the comments. Let us know what that is. We'll take a look at it, see if it's something we're going to use. If it's something we're going to use throughout the season, we'll include it this spring. We really want to try to get everybody on the same page so that as we're talking numbers with you throughout the 2023 baseball season, uh, we're all understanding what each other's talking about and we can all evaluate the players together. But that's going to be a great spot for us to wrap up, Steve. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, for watching to this edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Coming up tomorrow, we got another Aloha Friday for you on tap. 1.30 p.m. Eastern time on your YouTube feed. Check out Lockdown Reds on YouTube. Jump in the comments section. Give us questions. Give us comments. We are going to talk about another statistic as well, and I'm going to surprise Steve with this. But we are going to talk about the other hitting statistic that we love to use and that's OPS plus we're going to break down why that stat is so important that's coming up on tomorrow's Aloha Friday edition now go check out locked on MLB prospects as host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow it's free and available wherever you get your podcast Steve as it's spring training now, pitchers and catchers are having their bullpen sessions. They're in the batter, batting cages, getting ready for the season. What can people expect for us to go deep on when it comes to the Reds? You're killing me, Smalls. They can <laughs> expect us to be <laughs> locked in on the transactions, locked in on the rumors, locked in on the roster battles, and locked on Reds every single day. Got him. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.